It's March Mania at Sports Interaction. We're talking mm. NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, and more. Just, just, just a lot going on. A little stressed out. It's, man- it's mania. It's manic. Let's go. Anyway, uh, listen, uh, crazy odds and the best live in play. Download the app in Ontario. Use that QR code at the bottom of the screen or just head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. That's right. Thank you to get started. Good job. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Welcome to Nailing the Apex, everyone. I'm Tim Harini. Please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts as well. Write a review as it really helps us grow the show. You can follow me on social media at Tim Harini. Australian Grand Prix review. And here to help me break it all down from F1 staff writer, Smarth Canal. Smarth, how are you, man? Good. It has been a long day. I'm sure it's been yeah. longer for you, though. So, again, I'm not going to complain. It's been a long one, man. It's like you had said. Uh, it's been a long one for everyone. Um... Well, that was something. That was something. Uh, chaotic race, obviously. Uh, let's start at... Um, oh, boy. Where where should we start? I mean, because there was three, well, maybe four red flags, if you count the one that I guess they threw at the end for Hulkenberg's car that pulled off track after the checkered flag. Um and only the fifth time in 36 years that this has happened. That stat coming from the BBC. Uh, let's start with the first red flag for Alex Albon. So lap six. Uh, at this point, Russell has taken the lead and Albon has his crash. So Alex has said after the race um, that he went a bit wider on the exit of turn five. He had his crash on the exit of turn six into seven. And he'd said, looking at the data... Uh, briefly that he he spiked uh, the tire on the exit and so by that he means the temperature of the tire and then he thought that may have been the cause of of why he had crashed Uh, I mean obviously Williams needs to score points when they can Smarth this could have been a very good race for them but I mean, obviously, we want to talk about the red flag. So, yeah, what did you think of that first red flag? Was it, uh, should they have thrown it? Yeah. I mean, I'm always in a tough situation working for F1 because (laughs) whatever I say might not be representative of what the company says, and that's fine. Uh, But I think they made the right call. I do. And I think Australia's... If you look at the history of the Australian Grand Prix, there has been an accident there in which a marshal got killed. That was two decades ago, I think. Hmm. You know, you don't want to repeat that. I am always safety first. I know people can be like, oh, it's draconian to throw a red flag, but with that much debris and gravel, cars go... And turn seven is a fast right-hander. Yeah, uh, yeah I think it's the right call to red flag it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then I think also the uh, tire wall needed a bit of... Uh, well, the I guess it was... It might have been... I think they were using Tech Pro there. The, the, the wall itself needed some repairing uh, as well. Um, I mean, like you had said, there's a lot of debris on the track after after that one, and it's easy to get cut tires going through that section because there's not a lot of room for drivers to maneuver around debris. Um, and then I think there's also the off-track factor as well. I mean, you got a packed house there, sold out. I mean, for the entire weekend, there was over 440,000 people, like, attending. People don't... I don't think people necessarily want to sit around and watch cars circulate for, you know, whatever, 15 maybe 20 laps that was a it was almost a 20 it was almost a 20 minute red flag so you're going to have cars circulating for that you know close to that amount of period while they clean everything up and i don't think necessarily fans want to see that and plus on the flip side of that um you're eating into the race Samarth. like it's just 
it's it's taking away from the entire race that was shaping up to to be a good one. Yeah, and I'm relieved we got on track time. I mean, yes, it mm. was a long, as we said, it's been a long bloody day, but it's good to have track racing. And I mean, I guess some people would question whether you're allowed to pit during a red flag. That's mm-hmm. maybe the the debate that some people are having. But then that would just reverse the situation because it would mean if you didn't pit during the safety car, not everyone gets that chance. You have to be near the safe. You need to be near the pit entry to pit during the safety car, right? So you would be disadvantaged massively if you didn't get to pit during the red flag. Uh, yeah, that's the big debate I guess people are having as well. I mean, people people criticizing the FIA about throwing a, car, a safety car in Saudi Arabia, and again, mm-hmm. I think I think they were almost airtight in their reasoning you've got to protect the marshals these people do a job that is tough they don't often i think a lot of them are voluntary it's a it's a really tough yep. job i wouldn't put them at risk no point all the drivers for that matter yeah and that's something that you know we haven't really seen a lot of in the past and it does seem like the FIA has really started to crack down on terms of safety with um uh, tractors coming out onto the track even and I think that's one of the reasons why we got that second red flag which we'll talk about in a bit um, but you had that as well uh, on top of that you know marshals on the track I mean I remember in the day when they wouldn't even throw a yellow flag for a marshal running on the track to catch debris it was like a mini sport in itself watching yeah. marshals like get up and it's like a relay race oh ugh, horrible yeah um, so for the red flag I mean obviously Russell Pitts from the lead when the safety car uh, was was out, and then you know he ends up getting done over by by that red flag. I mean, uh, that is stems the break, right? Yeah, but like, do you think he could have won it? I, I think he could have had a chance. I mean, with both Mercedes up front, who knows what they could have done in terms of strategy? Could he have won it? I mean, oh, that's a big if. Verstappen, I mean, he's that car is on rails and. Yeah. His pass on Hamilton, it just looked like so easy at one of the toughest corners on the track. You know, that left-hander, turn nine, and then that turn ten. So you've got to get the car as wide as you can to hit turn ten properly. Otherwise, you start picking up gravel, and and you you could go off track, you could crash. So, yeah, I don't know. Could he have won? Maybe not. Could, could it have been a double Mercedes podium? Yeah. Yeah. I just think it would have been a little bit different though because of strategy. Like when you look at it, there wasn't really there wasn't two Red Bulls up front, right? There was just the one. So Max would have had to cover off one of them at some point, right? It just who was it going to be? You know what I mean? Like who would have it been? So that's the only reason I say that there could have been an outside chance that Russell may have been able to to win this thing, but I mean whatever. Like so lap 12, we carry on. Verstappen oh, takes over the lead of the race like you said. I mean, just blowing past uh, Lewis um, yeah. and then Russell has his has his failure uh, on lap 18 um, which I believe it was a uh, power unit issue that he had suffered um, I'm not sure if you know what exactly it was because I haven't heard it at this moment on my end I haven't seen exactly what it was uh, I'm guessing obviously with flames shooting out of the, the engine it's definitely mm. an engine issue that's as far as my knowledge goes <laughs> but uh, it's that was the most obvious thing ever uh, it was painful though I'll tell you that and yeah. it's weird it's weird what we second year of a new regulations and reliability is still a concern that's really weird to me I'm, I, I thought they would have sussed all these problems out but apparently not 
It's really weird. I, I, at the start of the hybrid era, was it this bad? I don't know. Uh, it was for some of not the Mercedes. other teams. Yeah, yeah, not for Mercedes. I mean, that thing was mm-hmm. bulletproof, like you know. But I think like some of the teams further back in the field was pretty bad. Like I don't necessarily think Renault had a bulletproof engine. You know, to start yeah. off the hybrid era, it was wasn't that great because I remember the arguments between Red Bull and Renault and Red Bull wanting to leave their partnership with Renault, and then that turned into a thing, and then Bernie Ecclestone had to get involved and <laughs> keep Renault yeah, at Red Bull. Yeah, that was a whole oh, mess. mess. Just a mess. Just a mess. Um, so then we get uh, Magnussen on lap 54, uh, nail in the wall, and we have the second red flag of the race. Now, for this part of it, I, I got a text from... Uh, the FIA just kind of explaining, which is great, by the way, because it's uh, it's so it's so ha- handy to have them explain why exactly uh, there are red flags. But yeah, this one was for the wheel rim, the debris that was spread over a wide area, uh, and that was one of the main causes for the red flag. But as you kind of look into it further, there was marshals on track, but at the same time, you had a recovery vehicle on track and. In the past, we have seen and heard from drivers um, just very upset when they bring tractors out onto the racetracks on Earth. Yeah, I mean, we all know why uh, there was that accident with Jules Bianchi, and it's a horrible memory, and, and, and you know, we know why. I mean, it was Japan mm-hmm. last year, was it, when Science was very vocal about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it yeah, and Gasly. So it's the same track that uh, Bianchi lost his life. You don't want it to happen. Uh, I completely agree with that. Um, as for Magnussen's accident, pretty weird one. He said that yeah. he didn't feel anything. He just had a little touch with the barriers. So such an odd one. I've, I can't remember the last time I've just seen the tire fall off like that. Um, obviously, when a tire falls off, it's not just like a video game where the tire just bounces around tires have loads of metal straps inside little bits of tread and lining and Pirelli tires will have even more than that so yeah you don't want to drive over that stuff that's that's proper stuff so uh, yeah I can see why they've, they've, they've done that and outside of that I mean we've like we've heard of in the past you know teams and F1 not wanting to finish under a red flag or a yellow flag situation, they want green flag running. And so, this is what you get, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, jeez. That was... Um, I still don't know what to say, which is obviously not what you want to hear when I'm on a podcast, but such a baffling thing. And it's people are like, okay, it happened because of the Netflix effect, because Formula One wants quick entertainment and I don't know if that's necessarily true I think it has happened because teams probably have pressured the FIA in the past to have racing um, and yeah this is exactly what you get right we set a precedent with this so this is what we got and, and and it's so funny when I watch other series like IndyCar NASCAR when you throw a caution late in the race you're like this is just going to lead to more cautions right that's exactly what happened in F1 cold tires narrow track people jostling for position uh, that's what happened, and I feel bad. You know, I feel bad for the drivers. Uh, you must have watched the post-race interviews, but a lot of them were in a bad mood, like a really bad mood, uh, and I felt really bad for them. You no, know, it's uh, it's interesting because at the same time, you don't really know or how to judge 
you know, who's got an agenda, right, when it comes to these things? I don't know if anyone really did have that much of an agenda in this one. It wasn't like, for example, the example that obviously comes to mind is Abu Dhabi 2021, uh, the phrase I never want to say, but uh, it's, yeah, I don't know. This, this just felt like maybe the FIA wants to get everyone racing. I can see why. Like, people want to watch mm-hmm. a race, right? Why would mm-hmm. you want something to end? But uh, I did feel bad for the mm-hmm. drivers, especially, mm-hmm. well, there were so many incidents, so, yeah. Yeah, Verstappen had a good quote. I mean, he said at the end of this one during the FIA press conference, uh, I just didn't understand why we needed a red flag. Uh, if you had had a safety car and then a normal rolling start, we wouldn't have had all these shunts, and then you have a normal finish, so they created the problems themselves at the end of the day. I mean, he makes a good point. Uh, on one part of it, I mean, why not just instead of doing the standing start procedure after Magnuson's red flag, I mean, why not have that as a as a rolling start because you're less likely to get the carnage that we ended up seeing. I, I don't know what are your thoughts on that. Like, do you think they should have thrown a rolling start there? I mean. Verstappen, granted, did, does make a pretty good point with that one. Yeah, no, he does. Uh, he obviously knows more than me because he is a racing driver, and I would probably <laughs> believe him on that. <laughs> but I was going to be like, who am I to disagree? But uh, I don't know if a rolling start... Like, a rolling start is a tough one as well. Those can go wrong. Like, yeah, I don't know necessarily if that would have fixed everything. Which Is there a series, in your opinion, that gets these things 100% right? Because nope. I, I don't think there is. Nope. Maybe there's a smaller one, like, I'm talking about a mainstream series or championship. I don't think there is. Uh, no, I don't think... I. Okay, well, actually, you know what? We can probably use the IndyCar finish from, from today. So we're taping this Sunday uh, just as the IndyCar race finished. Um, we could, might be able to use that as an example. I'm not sure if you caught it, but essentially, yep. yeah, two laps before the finish, you know, you had a pretty epic battle for, for the win. Grosjean crashes and brings out full course caution and that pretty much seals the entire race you know new garden comes around and and wins it under those conditions so there is that and i only say that because let's say to do a complete lap uh of you know texas motor speedway takes you i don't know 20 seconds and like a full lap at um full lap at the Australian Grand Prix is about 1 minute 17 at pace and then you're going to be behind the pace car for two laps so I got like I see like there's room there for racing yeah uh, yeah I think IndyCar got it right today I think yeah. um, and it is two different it's like two different things oval racing and circuit yeah. racing but at the same time I would have probably just liked a more boring end to the race in that in that sense. Yeah and, and you don't wanna you don't wanna risk you don't wanna risk everyone's lives and effort yeah. and everything that you know, whatever. There's so many people who have got stake stakes in that race, you don't you don't wanna do that. That's yeah. yeah. People getting injured and, and I don't even know about the cost of everything, right? Imagine in a cost cap era, both Alpines crashing out. Uh I mean it just oh boy. Yeah. We that was the uh that yeah, that was that was the other part of it I was gonna bring up. Having the Alpines crashed and crashed out and then we go and 
basically for the next restart, which is them just rolling to the checkered flag, they're taking the starting uh, the starting um, drivers from the previous uh, standing start. I I don't know how you see that. It for I mean that's tough because you can't really include the Alpines anymore because they're they're out of it. They're not going to take take the checkered flag. So what do you do in that situation, Samarth? I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's. I don't envy them because no. I feel like that's such a hard thing. But I almost feel like it had kind of steamrolled and collected so much momentum that you're eventually going to be left with a really tough decision, and that's what happened. I, I, I mean, it, yeah, I think they'll be looking at that one. That, that's yeah, painful as well. I mean, imagine losing it on like basically a penultimate lap and being told that's it, you don't have points, or or Hulkenberg, for example. Oh yeah. Well, I'm to him, so um, I'm sure we'll get to that. <laughs> then you, yeah, I was just going to say that you and I getting that email message. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I got it at like 6 a.m. Like I was coming in the front door from uh, TSN. <laughs> I got a text yeah. from you. And you're like, oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, Haas is uh, protesting uh the provisional class of uh, classification of the uh australian grand prix um i i'm i don't see and then obviously it was rejected but i mean i why even bother I, yeah weird why? one yeah because well why even bother in terms of i kind of sympathize with them and i kind of see the point they're making I, don't, I guess. Do you not? Do you think? No, not the, really. You, because it, it, the, the way that you look at, it, I mean, if they've already made, if they've already, if they've already made the call that they're going to take the 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 starting positions um, from after Magnuson's crash, then you, you the, can't really the, what argue you with that. Yeah, yeah what are you challenging? Made, yeah. yeah, exactly. What are you challenging at that point? That that was. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Maybe they were just I, trying to see what they could get. It could also have been. Where, so when was that classification taken? Well, the the explanation is that you you can't say who was ahead of whom because everyone has started crashing. If you look at like a still freeze frame of that point, you can't say oh De Vries was actually ahead of the Williams, even though they were both in the gravel or whatever. You don't know, so they have to put it back. Yeah, maybe Haas had no point there. Uh, it did make our mornings a lot longer. Um, <laughs> so thanks for that, Hass. Uh Yeah, I almost knew I, they were going to do it when they sent the email. They, you know, they sent the press email through, and it didn't have the results on it. And I was yeah. like, ah, oh, I saw that too, because I was like, oh, I, I, Haas isn't going to do anything about this. And I was looking at the press release, and I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> yeah. it's on the drivers on it. I'm like, well, it's that's such interesting. a funny sport, man. Right, yeah, <laughs> such like, a ridiculous world. <laughs> like, what are you guys up to? Yeah. Um, I did actually. I wanted to go back to uh, during this uh, whole, you know, third red flag uh, chaos, and actually just touch on um, what had happened with uh, Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso. I mean, obviously. Carlos getting hit with uh, that five-second time penalty for, you know, running into Fernando. Um, there are, it's interesting, like, even Fernando, uh, during the press conference, he even said he felt bad for Carlos and felt it was a little harsh. But 
But then when I look at it smart, it's like, well, what happens if they actually didn't end up taking the finishing order from after Magnuson's crash? And Alonso gets spun out. He's now he's now dead last. Like, how happy I don't think would he, he would have been? been so. Yeah, he wouldn't have been no. so happy. No, the other thing so. is, the other thing is, it was still a silly move, yeah. right? In like, in football or soccer, you you make a bad tackle, and even if the referee's blown his whistle and play has stopped, you make a bad tackle, you hurt someone, or you take them out of the game. It's just a mistimed tackle. You'll still get punished for it, and rightly so. There is still a consequence to your action there. So people are like, oh, it didn't count because that lap didn't count. That doesn't mean the drivers just vanished into thin air. Mm -hmm. They still existed. Like, for example, if they crashed into each other coming back into the pits for a red flag, someone would have got punished, right? That I think the logic there is... I think, unfortunately, science kind of did deserve it, in my opinion. He was furious after the race. Uh, he mm-hmm. couldn't. He could barely speak. But I mean, yeah, he spun Alonso out. I mean, and a five-second penalty. Yeah, that's fine. Like, pfft. in fact, that was leniency. I think on the part yes. of the FI, they said, yeah. So, yeah, um, I think you know, one of the big things for Carlos on that restart. I I don't think he had the greatest getaway. He, didn't, he hasn't really talked about it that much, but I don't think he had the greatest getaway. And like Gasly was right there and. Both of them just going in way too hot. I mean, and I think another thing that was interesting on that that restart was so many drivers struggling with uh, warm-up. I mean, like we saw it with Logan Sargent. Um, He actually had said that uh, he was braking where he normally does brake on those restarts, but for that particular restart, he had had trouble getting heat into the tire and into the brakes, and that's why he'd run into the back of DeVries. It sounded like that was the case for quite a few drivers, that including, you know, Stroll, when Stroll and Sainz were, you know, battling over third place going into T3 and Stroll goes off. I think, again, that has a lot to do with warm-up and things of that nature. I think he probably also had a bit of junk on his tires at the same time because he did uh, go offline just a bit for Stroll, but... Um. Yeah, just I think the thing with with Carlos and with Gasly, it's kind of what it led to, and that that's that's uh, you know that's contact, right? I mean, they've been given five second time penalties for that for years now. So yeah, it's not surprising. It's also not surprising that people were having trouble with warm up. Let's not forget that this Australian Grand Prix took a long time, and it was nearing like the evening, it, like in Australia it's not that warm though you know so it, the temperatures are way lower than in Saudi way lower than in Jeddah of course so yeah um, and and Bahrain sorry so uh, yeah they had real trouble warming up their tires not surprising yeah um, let's talk a bit more about Ferrari I mean because it's been a it's been a pretty dreadful um, first three races for them Samarth I mean Leclerc getting beached off off the start of the race I mean he in particular has had it pretty bad over the last three races and it, uh, I don't know if, you, if you're for Charles Leclerc like what hope is there to cling on here man like it's not good yes it's his worst start to a season since his debut F1 season 2018 and that's when he was with Sauber so uh, yeah what hope do you have to cling on great question I mean let's not forget that he doesn't have as many career wins as probably he'd like so this is maybe a transitional year. This is something to work on, you know, notch those numbers up. There are there are places he can win, and he's still waiting for that home win. You know, he has 
that for him would be amazing. So there's loads of hope, loads of reasons to be optimistic. It's not like he's in a bad car. It's not like, you know, it's, it's who was it? Someone said that Mercedes act like they have a car that cannot make Q3. It's obviously not the case. I think Ferrari is the same. It's not that slow a car. They have loads of potential, and Leclerc has loads to fight for. But it was painful to see him just go off like that. Um, and I think it was completely his mistake. I I kind of I think he accepted it too. He turned in on was it Stroll? Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, though, I think his teammate Carlos Sainz may have caused that inadvertently. So he mm-hmm. he slows. If you watch the replay, he kind of causes the cars behind him to concertina, which causes Leclerc to bump into Stroll, who was mm-hmm. slowing down for a Sainz train ahead of him. So it was a very unfortunate mistake. He'll come back. And the thing with uh, with Ferrari for this weekend coming into it uh, didn't introduce any upgrades, and it really sounds like they're not going to be doing much to this car until a more bigger upgrade comes to the car. But it really sounded like trying to focus more on setup for this car, where they've done in the previous two races, it was more of a one lap sort of setup where they were about. Uh, tenth, two tenths off of the Red Bulls in qualifying, but then when they got into the race, the tire dag really just hammered them. And for this one, it sounded like setting up the car more for the race, but then again, that that affects your one lap pace, right? So, and I think all of it kind of points to them in these next three weeks that they have off here, uh, not trying to chase their their tails with data. You know what I mean? Like, if you introduce more upgrades to the car and you haven't really got a clear understanding for for what you have, I think that would just throw a big wrench into what they're trying to do here. Yeah, and they might... Yeah, I think you're right. They must not be one of the teams who are planning a massive upgrade for Azerbaijan, which Mm -hmm. is the next round. Um, Well, I don't think a lot of teams are. It's far away from a lot of teams' bases. Mm -hmm. It's not quite Australia, but it's up there. And... um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know if Ferrari are going to be exploring a Red Bull style concept. They, you know, their car is a, a different concept. It's pretty unique. Uh, yeah, I'm, you're right. Do they understand the problems with tire dig? It doesn't seem so. It seems like no. there's so much confusion going on there. Whereas Mercedes yeah. definitely seem to understand. Yes. Or at least the word coming out is that they understand, like, oh, this is what's wrong with the W14. This is what we're going to change. It's just going to take some time. We have a cost cap. We can't do everything at once. Same with Alpine, perhaps. Uh, I think Alpine are going to bring some upgrades soon. They said Baku. Um, So, yeah, I don't know what's going on at Ferrari. But, yeah. Yeah, it does really sound like they don't have a clear grasp of of why they're suffering from so much tire degradation within the race. Because I remember, like, last season, this is something that they struggled with uh, as well. I mean, aside from the strategy errors and then also on top of that, the reliability issues. But aside from those things, it's – I thought they were going to have this sorted coming into this season. And I – Whatever they bring in terms of upgrades that have to come next, it's going to have to be something that deals with tire deg uh, in race format because the one lap pace is there. It's it's the race that they just they just can't get a handle on these tires, man. It's it's so uh, so weird. Um, you made a good point about Mercedes having like a good understanding for what 
their issues are. And I'm not sure if you heard this, like, but before coming into uh, the Australian Grand Prix, I believe it was Andrew Shovlin kind of admitted that they actually knew they were going to have a lot of difficulties with the W14 um, uh, before the season even got started. Like, before they, they came to the preseason testing, they kind of had an understanding that they're going to have some limitations with the W14. And so that's got me thinking. You know, they, I think, I think for Mercedes, I mean, they're going to have something big, and it sounds like it's going to be for for Imola, because um, I think this weekend, you know, Total Wolf had said that. Um, and I'm paraphrasing here, it's it's essentially not wanting to bring little upgrades to the car. It's executing on on something that's a bigger upgrade, and the car will be fundamentally and look different. So I'm assuming it's going to be like a B spec, and I'm also assuming that. This has to be something that they've been tinkering away with in the winter time, because like to have something that big, like to, to flip it that fast, Samarth. I mean, that's you've got to be working on that in the winter, right? I agree, and I think it makes sense that it, exactly everything you said there, Tim, just makes sense because it. I, I think people have to understand how much effort it takes to literally yeah. change the fundamentals of your F1 car. Um, and it makes sense that they just didn't have enough time to do that during the winter, perhaps. It also makes sense that you'd probably want to wait for the European leg if you're based in Europe. Mm-hmm. So we've got Azerbaijan, then Miami, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah th- those, those that's far away. You don't want to bring, yeah. like, a new, let's say, floor, and then it breaks, and then you have to go back to England, and obviously my knowledge of logistics and freight, not that good. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you're right. Uh but, they, you know, they seem to be so under control. And it would be great to see some proper Hamilton-Alonso fights in the future. I'd yeah. be happy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Mercedes can execute it, I think. But it's interesting to watch them this weekend, in particular in the cooler temperatures, like cooler track conditions. Uh, and just, I think, like, just not enough um, emphasis on running, like, loads of downforce on the car. So it's like a circuit that's more meant for, like, medium 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 downforce where when you get to tracks where there's like a lot of high downforce you need to put on the car it it really seems like they struggle massively in that department so this was kind of like a track that i think really suited them and that's why we saw the performances that we um had seen i don't think that they'd be able to keep that up samarth um it just seems like this was kind of the the right the right temperatures, the right track conditions, uh, and it kind of all just worked out for them on that level where it's like if we go to like Miami, the track's a little bit longer, it's a lot hotter, and that's going to do different things to the tire. So I don't know what you think about that, but I just feel like this was sort of like the right sort of coming together everything for, for Mercedes this weekend. It's funny you say that. It almost seems like Imola is their next great chance yeah. to score something. Um, yeah. is going to be a real tough one. Uh, it's going to be an experiment for everyone as well. Having a sprint in a in like a the tight confines of a really tough circuit, I've, oh god, that's going to be. I mean, <laughs> I hope I'm not on the report for that one. But um, <laughs> Imola could be a good chance for Mercedes, you know. And it's also funny you said that because medium downforce, kind of like Sao Paulo, is it, would you say that's a kind of medium downforcey circuit? And yeah. they did great there, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were killed for a win in, what, the first 10 rounds, 
great for sure and i think like i think it's possible like i think if they yep. w- whatever the upgrade is that they're going to bring right it's it's definitely going to be focused more aero heavy so there's there's definitely going to be more downforce being added to this car um that's probably going to increase the drag on it a bit unless they're able to you know sort something out in that department um but i i have a feeling like you know red bull's got a great car right now right like they just do but i i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we get some other teams starting to challenge for wins later in this season i don't know what you think about that i mean i know the the red bull is pretty pretty spectacular but I just think we're going to get some level of convergence at some point this season, and we're going to have a few teams pushing for wins. Yeah, I don't think it's out of the question. Um, Christian Horner said the same thing. And, you know, sometimes when someone in a team says it, you're like, ah, they're just talking rubbish. You know, Red Bull are going to absolutely ace it. But uh, I think he's right. I, I, I think they have so much less win tunnel time that they won't be able to... I mean, it just makes sense, right? They won't be able to develop at the same rate as an Aston or a Mercedes or a Ferrari, and sooner or later, things are going to come back. And we've seen it in past seasons anyway, you know? The development race is a really, really crucial thing in F1. Um, that's not to say... I mean, they have such a great base, they have such a great car, but they have to focus on next year as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. What I'm trying to think is, like, which is the first race that you truly think that someone can eclipse them. Like, which is the first race, Imola or hmm. much farther away? I would away? say, yeah, I think it would, it would probably be after Imola because I think if, let's say Mercedes does introduce like a massive upgrade to their car for, for Imola, I just feel that it's not enough time to get a good understanding for what it likes and what it doesn't. So if we use preseason testing as an example, you know, three days of testing the car still not having a good understanding of it and then you go into Bahrain still not having a good understanding of it you go to Jeddah you're starting to understand it and then you come to Australia now you're getting a fuller picture of what your car is what it can do what it can't do what are the strengths weaknesses and then I still think there's probably another race after that before you get an even clearer picture of what you actually have and so I think if you introduce something that's pretty big like i just assume it's going to be like a beast back type yeah. of uh race car i mean it kind of has to be at this point but um i think that takes a while to learn though no like it, what do you think I, I honestly just think it would take at least a good three races for them to get a feel for what they've got yeah agreed uh agreed with all the teams i think uh, a lot of people are like well we don't know where we stand and that's fair yeah I think the only thing that really could take away a win is chaos, and we saw plenty of that today, which <laughs> makes me think Monaco, I mean, I don't know, Spain, Spain Spain's rejigged its uh, yeah. last sector, taken away the Canada last year was interesting. Yep. So let's see. I mean, look, anything can happen, but I don't think they'll win every race. Red Bull is just... No. And there's too so many either. races. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it'll happen either. I just think there's going to be too many teams closing that gap and pushing for wins later in the season. Uh, as for a team that was uh, closing the gap, uh, McLaren, okay, hear me out here. I honestly, the way things stood at this team at the beginning of the season through Bahrain and Jeddah, I mean, it looked really bad, Samarth, like really bad, where if it continued on that trajectory, they were going to be one of the worst teams on the grid. Like and by worse I mean they score points but they don't necessarily move up in the constructors where they stay like tenth or ninth. Like I, I honestly didn't think that they looking at everything, I just didn't think that they were gonna be very good this season. Um and then all the 
turmoil that's been happening behind the scenes at the team and the amount of restructuring they've been doing within their aero departments. I mean, that's a, that's a massive turnover that they've just had. And now they show up in Australia. I mean, granted, it was a crazy race, right? They score points, right? Oscar Piastri gets his first points. Lando Norris, the same uh, for the season. And boom, get some points, right? What do you think about McLaren uh, moving forward? I mean, obviously, they have a big upgrade plan for Baku, and then they've got two other big upgrades plans for it later this season. Yeah. Um, the preseason noise was so negative, wasn't it? And it's yeah. not it's something you don't want to see for any team, but someone so storied like McLaren, you know, with incredible history, it, it is painful. Um, and then they executed it so well. In they had, It's funny. I was going to say they had their luck. Lando <laughs> Norris said, we just didn't have unlock, which I love. And maybe he's right. Like, you know, That's they just really weren't good. unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> It was funny. He was like, we totally deserved it. We did everything. We've done everything right. And yeah, actually, should they have been one of the two teams not to have scored going into Australia? Probably not. They probably deserved a bit better. They're not that bad. You know, let's not forget that they are. It's still a fast car, I think. Yeah, it just needs a bit of work. Um, and the midfield is so tight. I mean, yeah. it's it's tiny margins here. I don't think McLaren should be at the right, the back of the midfield. Uh it's a bit of a weird one, though. Yeah, um, slow corners are uh, slow corners. Their big pitfall this season, right? Looks so, like it, eh? Uh, Azerbaijan could be a tough one because while it has a long straight there, it has slow corners, yeah. and uh, yeah, they're going to be waiting for the upgrade. I think they said that it's coming in Baku, right? Yes. So the first one will yeah. first one will come in Baku. And then they're going to have another big upgrade that will come before the summer break. And then they're going to have another bigger upgrade that's going to come uh, after summer break. And this is Andreas Stella speaking to us on Thursday of last week. And, yeah, he had explained that it's probably going to be something similar to, like, a B-spec, like McLaren. Um and that's what I think for like Mercedes and maybe even potentially Ferrari, where it's like they're they're going to bring bigger things that are going to change a lot of the arrow on the car. Uh, Valtteri Bottas, he has had uh, one hell of a, of a start to the season here. Um, what are your thoughts on what's going on down there? Because I mean, I, I, yeah, like watching what happened to yeah. like just how off the pace he was in Jeddah, and then. Here as as well in Australia, Jeddah. He was like by himself, yeah. essentially. Uh, I, was wait, was he the only driver to finish one lap down in Jeddah? Um, uh, let's anyway, have a look. He was way down. I, I've just pulled that out, and now we have to look it up because it's, oh, that's okay. But uh, he struggled, and it's painful. I thought he caught You're a happier right. figure. One lap down. One lap yeah, down. He yeah, he caught a happier figure. Well, joining Alfa Romeo, he seems more himself. He's leading the team. I don't know what I don't know what the problems are. It's 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 weird. I mean, Joe has been doing a decent job in that car. I wouldn't oh, yeah, say he's, he's been, been lighting the world on fire, but but uh, yeah, to see someone like Bottas, a multiple Grand Prix winner, fall off the pace like that, oh, it's uh, pretty shocking. I mean, you know, Valtteri coming home. P11, but starting from pit lane because his qualifying was just not good at all. And same I goes. I think he for, hit traffic. 
Yeah. I think he was furious at hitting traffic, which in Australia does happen, but at the same time, I mean, he's had a rotten... Still off the pace. Yeah, start, like, yeah off the pace. Um, I... Baffling. Uh, he'll want to get back on it. I mean, he struggled in a few races last year as well, actually, you know? Yeah, good point. Um, I think it was kind of mid-season where he had a real rough patch, but he can get out of them, so he's got some races coming up to prove that. I see. And there's a sprint, so there's more potential that he can weave his way through the field and do something crazy. Azerbaijan, we've seen it happen before. We've seen Gasly do it. We've seen Vettel do it. Who knows? Uh, Yuki Tsunoda finally uh, being able to yeah. uh, come home in the uh, in the top ten, score some yeah. points. Well I mean, done, Yuki Tsunoda, uh, dude. Yeah, he's got to be because happy about I was that, right? Like, I think even they tweeted, please not P11 again. <laughs> And I was, and we were all thinking, poor guy. I mean, I saw him after yeah. Saudi, and he was almost distraught, as distraught yeah. as you could be finishing 11th, which is not a disrespectful place to finish. It's a good place to finish. It's not in the points, but he was like, he'd given everything, and then he'd probably done it here. And I'm glad he's got points. You know, he's actually done really a good job this season so far. I can see a shift in his mentality. He's definitely worked on himself over the winter, so fair play to him. He's mm-hmm. got some pressure, though. He's got some pressure. There are some people in mm-hmm. F2 that could probably make a claim to his seat. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe good he's point. feeling it. Yeah, yep. he's, done, he's um, done well. Sprint format. You had mentioned Baku um, being our first sprint event of this season. Uh, F1 is trying to change the format for the the sprint weekends and f1 and the fia it sounds like they're discussing moving this like the sprint event out of the the main sort of event weekend and doing another qualifying session uh just particularly for that sprint event so it would be i believe it was uh, a Saturday, like Saturday morning or afternoon, um, qualifying for the afternoon slash evening sprint event on the Saturday. And then you're going to have your qualifying for the big Grand Prix. Uh, to set that grid, that qualifying will take place on a Friday. So rather than the results from the sprint race setting the grid for the main race on on the Sunday like we've done in the past and it sounds like they're trying to get this thing brought forward this idea brought forward um, for Baku do you think they they should be you know messing around this much with with their weekends and their events I know there's been talk of like changing up though and I know Stefano Domenicali did comment on um, maybe trying to do away with practice on on the on the friday or whatever and trying to spice up the weekends to make every single day count but i think this might be taking things just a tiny bit too far i mean this is this sounds like busy and then you factor in you know crashing and crash damage and what happens and how much time do you have to get the car ready and turned around like it's a tough one i mean it's a tough one for me especially because i can't (laughs) i yeah uh I can't come out and say this or that, but what I can say is that I on un- so I've heard a lot of drivers. I think they were asked it. Was it Thursday press conference? Um, uh, one of the many press conferences that we've had on this incredibly long weekend that seems to be never ending. They were asked about 
what what would it be like at Azerbaijan? And also the fact that there is a sprinter Azerbaijan. I mean that mm-hmm. it's a tough venue, right? Uh there's a lot of hesitation, I think. People are like it's going to be a race of attrition, a weekend of attrition, sorry, not just a race, a weekend of attrition and people are just going to have to survive in a sense, right? Um I kind of sympathize with drivers there. They're giving their all. Uh they're going extremely fast and risking their lives so at the end of the day if they're hesitant i start to get hesitant right don't you feel that like yep it's hard to watch um i don't know i don't know what to think i think stefano went and clarified his comment about practice saying Mm -hmm. that you know he didn't necessarily want to say like oh why do we practice i think he was just saying you know we got to rethink things and i do like it when f1 says oh we have to rethink things you know this is a an old motorsport not the oldest, but it's old. And if we didn't rethink things, we wouldn't have had all the crazy stuff that happened in the last seven or so decades. So um, I like that. But I think we've got to be careful. Um, I, I think we will be careful. I think everyone will be careful when making changes like that. Yeah, I think um, the, 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 I, know, I know Verstappen was pretty against changing up the weekends. Uh, he had made mention of all of it coming into uh, this weekend at the Australian Grand Prix and the hesitation for them to, for him to have to have to comment on all of it. He didn't really hold back. You know, he did just say, look, the DNA of Formula One should stay the DNA of Formula One where you have your Friday practice, your Saturday qualifying and your, your Sunday race. And look, I get it. And I understand what, he's saying and i mean obviously he has a bit of his own agenda at the same time but at the on the other side of this i mean i i actually i wouldn't mind them taking away some practice because what that's going to end up doing is it can spice things up because i mean the engineers aren't going to have enough data drivers aren't going to have enough data because they haven't done a ton of track time so if you can find a way like george russell had said like to give that time to the younger drivers like either the rookies giving them more track time or giving it to the uh the feeder series so giving it to f2 or f3 because i mean smart i mean those drivers they get very little track time during an f1 weekend man like this weekend was especially brutal I yeah. thought in the feeder series so yeah and and you could probably see the result of it as well those are some yeah. chaotic races yeah. yeah I mean I like that attitude for what Russell yeah. said you know that's a good point uh, and I wouldn't complain if the weekend was just released by every day I mean you know, yeah. that's cool right yeah for sure it gives us something to have an invest an invested interest in i mean every single day i mean whether or not what you're doing on friday it makes any sense to do anything that day or you just kind of leave that as your practice and then you you do everything like you kind of jam in your you condense your saturdays where you jam that full of action and you jam your sunday full of action um i'd be up for that i mean i'm always up to see new things and see what it see what it does uh i'm not too fond of this proposal for Baku, though, I I liked how they used the sprint race to set the grid for Sunday. And I liked how they did qualifying on Friday to set that grid. And so then you had your practice mixed in with those two things. And I kind of actually liked how that went because... I mean, we don't really need like two qualifying sessions, right? You gotta get you get the car dialed in for the one quality session. That's what we watch for, right? 
What's the what's the like? That's a that's a headache as well, right? Yeah, for them. Oh, I don't <laughs> that's know. It's gotta uh, be. Uh, getting my own head round whatever proposed thing that might be. That's 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 wild. Um, right. <laughs> I'd kind of like to see it unfold in a way, you know, just like, all right. But I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. That's that's crazy. Uh, let's see, though. I mean, uh, that's not far away. It's yeah, thirty days it's, away. Huh? It's it's not. So I'm sure we'll hear more about this in the next coming weeks for sure. Uh, let's go over to Twitter. There's quite a few questions uh, for us. Oh, so we'll boy. try and yeah, try and answer as as much as we can. I don't think we can get to all of them. So we're running out of time. But from uh, Nick Ignatov, uh, this may be for you, Samarth, but he said, uh, can you explain why science's penalty wasn't just erased? So if they pretend the lap didn't exist and just do it again, put all the drivers back in their old positions, then penalties shouldn't happen for that lap either. And that's something similar to what you and I had already spoken about, but still, like... Yeah, the way, the way I see it is a silly consequence for the, the action he took. Um, in the same way, I think Gasly and Ocon could have faced penalties, but it was just seen as a racing incident. But they still investigated it because it did happen. No one actually disappeared that lap. It's just the lap that disappeared. They still had to make their way back to the pits and do everything safely. So, yeah, I think it, feel, it felt a bit harsh, but it, I think it was fair. Um, why was the FIA... This is from Matt Turner. So why was the FIA really concerned okay so was the FIA really concerned with safety showing the red flag on lap 56 or were they trying to have an entertaining finish well yeah it's like we had mentioned earlier Matt it it uh I think one of the things was for the debris that was on the track Smarth did make mention that yeah you know there is a lot of metal shavings and bits within the wheels themselves when they come apart and it does spread across the track and it's easy to pick up punctures with these things at the same time and you got to clean it all up and if you want to have green flag finishes and you you only have a few laps left to finish the race so if you're circulating behind the safety car you're not going to get that so you do have to throw a red flag in that moment but at the same time recovery truck uh out on the track as well and and then at the same time like we had mentioned the um green flag uh finishes that uh f1 and some of the team members would like to see uh from jim so this is at hockey in ottawa is mercedes podium a real indicator of effective upgrades or did they just work well at this particular track so i don't think jim they brought any upgrades to this race but um samarth what do you what do you think about mercedes's uh weekend that they just kind of came through here because it was pretty impressive they were surprised right uh i think lower temperatures suited them uh, the track layout suited them as we as we touched on before that medium downforce sort of kind of medium high speed corners suited them. Uh, let's not forget that Perez had to start last. Uh, Leclerc dropped out early, and Sainz was stuck in his own battle behind the Astons. So it wasn't just right place, right time. It was a condition suiting them too. Uh, from Nicholas Egan, why were there so many crashes today? Seemed like the drivers had a hard time keeping the cars on the track all weekend. Um, well, That's there a was, fair question. Yeah, yeah. There, there actually. Well, there was the GPS situation that they had with with traffic, and I think that was that was a big thing for a lot of the teams on the Friday. And then actually, you know, traffic actually seemed like more of an issue this weekend than normal. I mean, again, they had the GPS issue on the Friday, but 
Um, same with like Saturday. There was still tra- like uh, there was still traffic issues. It was quite bizarre, Samarth. Like, did did you feel the same way? Because I did. I was just I didn't understand why we had so much traffic. No, I think it makes sense. I think people forget that this is a street track. This is a narrow, and like these cars are big. And yeah, Australia is well, Australia as a country is big. The track is narrow and yeah. tiny, and the confines of the circuit are like tough to navigate. So. Um, I'm just glad I had to clarify that Australia is a big country. I don't want to, <laughs> I, I don't want to offend any Australians. Um, yeah, no, no, no. It makes sense. And it also makes sense that cooler temperatures mean that it's high. It's harder to warm up your tires. Cautions breed cautions, as we've seen in NASCAR and yep. IndyCar. So, yeah, same thing. Uh, let's see here. Oh, my God. Okay, from Jace oh, no. Andrews. <laughs> Are we <laughs> are we reaching the point of no return with the clerk at Ferrari, Samarth? Whoa, that's, that's one heck of a question for a Sunday evening. Sorry, Le- dude. Leclerc and Ferrari, but still, the point of no return. <laughs> oh, I'm honest, Ferrari. There's no point in no return. <laughs> that's, that's say that. uh, no, I think they have a lot to fight for. They have, they, you know, Leclerc still hasn't won Monaco, right? Let's just—it's such a short-term goal. But they need to focus on short-term goals. This is going to be another transitional year. It's not They're not the only team to have a transitional year. And they're not the only team to have had a rough start to the season. I think I think there's reasons to smile over there. Just very difficult to see them right now. Yeah, and that uh, pretty much does it. I mean, we've got a bunch more, but I know you got to get running, and I appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this, Martha. I know you've had a pretty busy day as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, man, for, for coming onto the podcast and uh, for doing that. Um, let everybody know, actually, where they can find you on social media and what you're working on because you've actually had some great articles uh, come out ever since you've been working for F1. I mean, they're they're incredible. Like, your writing uh, is awesome. That's very flattering, Tim. That's really nice of you. So you can catch me on at Samarth Canal on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, oh, we're working on some really cool stuff. Uh, it was a F1 Unlocked is this thing where we go for more in-depth interviews and news. Um, so... Yeah, I know it's a bit annoying having to sign up for something new, but do it. It's fun. And uh, I've got a good interview coming up soon with, with, a, with an F1 race winner. Uh, uh, that'll be fun. And, uh, yeah, it was great catching up with you, Tim. Uh, appreciate it. And I, I'm sorry to everyone about the mess here. I am moving house. So <laughs> it's just carnage. It's carnage down here, man. It's carnage yeah, on the really track in Australia. It. Yeah, man. It's carnage, carnage bring in the it house. to my home. Yeah. <laughs> It's awesome. Uh, uh, dude, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Big thanks to uh, Smarth for coming on to the show. Really appreciate his time. Let's head over to uh, Grid Rival, and we'll go over the top 10 in the SDPN official Grid Rival pool for 2023. And our top 10, well, we've seen a shakeup at the top of the charts J. Dot Hamilton 98 leading the way with 3,164 points by the looks of it. Underneath in second, salary cap loophole, 3,125 points tied for second. Now we've got a couple of tied for second, but I'm just going to basically say that these are all in the top 10. Uh, we have Junk 8132471. Um, J. 
Wyshak, apologies if I mispronounced that, in fourth, in fifth, uh, what do we got here, Kosuni, uh, in sixth, uh, Contarian, oh my god, I, these, I'm brutal at this, uh, seventh, Seed Sidomo, in eighth is Scotty Wilk in ninth. Uh, so ninth actually has dropped some positions. So this is Jeremy DeZang. And in tenth, oh, Feldman. It's Feldman from across the hall. In tenth, rounding out the top ten. Where did I end up? Let's have a look. Because I haven't even, like, checked out my team. Oh, it's huge movements for Hall in the Mail. I was in 64th, now 25th. I'm coming for y'all. You just don't know it yet. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening and watching. If you want more from me, I'm Tim Haraney. You can catch me on social media, at Tim Haraney. We'll have some fun podcasts coming up this week. We're going to be doing an IndyCar Texas review pod on the Wednesday. Have a special guest coming on for that, so stay tuned. And then at the end of the week... We have a very special IndyCar guest who's going to be coming on to the program uh, to talk about their racing career. So thanks again, everyone. Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you all later.